Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of Kwame's interview on QLS Classic from October 2018. Uh, he went through so many stories about his childhood and growing up in his father's house and then working with Herbie Lovebug and being on Atlantic Records and, and that whole like connection with Philly rappers and also the idol makers with Salt and Pepper and Kid and Play and all that stuff. You know, so much crazy bugged out stories. Hope you enjoy part two of QLS Classic and Kwame. Previously on Quest Love Supreme, uh, the legendary Kwame talks about growing up in Queens, uh, discovering hip hop, and rising and touring with the likes of Salt and Pepper, Kid McClay, NWA, all that good stuff. And uh, when, uh, you know, we're going to get into that biggie thing as well. So here is part two of Quest Love Supreme with Kwame. Okay, so I, the the one important aspect of your career that we've yet to get into, mm-hmm. uh, which is very vital to your career, yeah, is your sense of style mm-hmm. and what you brought to it. Um, polka dots, uh, the the you know two tone hair, yeah, the crazy haircuts and and the kind of. All the stuff the GQ dressing, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you were yeah, Urban Outfitters. I couldn't get the. I couldn't get the. I had a polka dot shirt, but my mom wouldn't let me get the diamond. Oh, okay, she would. She wasn't going. For Bill, the you couldn't get a polka dot shirt. They wouldn't let me get the polka dot what shirt. What the fuck? I was. This how I know me and Tarika brothers. Like we basically would just share three shirts. Like I had. A, oh. I, had the, <laughs> I had the Urban Outfitters love shirt. Yeah, Urban mm-hmm. Outfitters. You was doing it. Yeah, oh, and no, then Urban Outfitters was. This. Me and Tariq would share that shirt. <laughs> The, the the preppy Benetton, the, the Coca-Cola yeah, yeah, yeah. sweaters and all that stuff. Yep. Like so I mean your style was definitely it was it was it was preppy and kind of progressive mm-hmm. hip. Like it wasn't yeah. street, you know, it no. wasn't dapper Danish. No. So what 
made you in the era where Dapper Dan was running shit yeah. and tracksuits and, you know, even with Philly, like with Alpinas and, yeah, yeah. you know, the drug dealer look like, what made you like, mm, okay, I'm going to go with this. Like, I think um, because of my influences and because of parental guidance, actually, you know, like one of the biggest fights that I ever got into with my father was the fact that I went and I had a job at a sea town actually and saved up my money and bought this fake fat rope, this sick giant fat rope. And my godfather, who was a cop, confiscated a beeper and gave it to me. So I had the beeper and the fat rope. And my father came downstairs. And and that was just my rapper costume. Mm -hmm. And my father came into my room, I guess, to get laundry or whatever he did. And he saw the fat rope and the beeper and he threw them out. So when I came home, like, yo, where's my fat rope? Where's my beeper? I'm about to go to this party. I got to look like me. Mm -hmm. Um, And my pops like, you're not wearing that shit outside. You're not going to, you know, look like a drug dealer. You know, on my watch, you're not doing that. No, but that's what I got to do. That's that's me. That's 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 I'm a rapper. Said no, you you're like an idiot. You know, like that's not even you. You're not you're not from that. You wear you like to wear suits. You don't even wear sneakers. You like to wear shoes. You asked me for money to buy. You know, I definitely was into ballets and wingtips and yeah. all this stuff. What are you doing? You know, and and we got into this knockdown drag out fight. You know, like almost physical. Like my pops had to like grip me up because I was popping so much shit. Like you don't go in my room, touch my shit. You shit. Boom, you know what I'm saying? It, it was like, it was one of those things. And it was almost like a wake-up call because then I sat there and I was like, you know, I I cannot afford Dapper Dan. Mm-hmm. I don't like to be fake in any way, shape, or form. So I'm walking around with this orangey, okay. yellow and white looking chain that's been turning like the earth. And it's like, <laughs> you know, the beeper don't work. You can't put the 411 or the 911 in me so like (laughs) what it's not it's not me you know and 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 i like to dress up but then at the same time i know that i'm not i'm i'm a different kid i'm just i'm different and i don't have a problem with expressing that there is a side of me that does like some of the hip-hop things so like if you look at like, for example, my first album cover, Boy Genius, I'm sitting there, I have on a, a preppy Mickey Mouse shirt, um, you know, but I do have a sick cable tucked in the shirt, but, and it was a real one, but that was like saying that, okay, look, I can I can go here, but I choose to go there. And, you know, I had my nerd uh, Wayfair glasses on and and it wasn't necessarily a gimmick at all. It was just saying that, Look, man, I, I, I got to set myself apart. Now, the polka dots came in. Three things. One, I was, like I said, I was a super big Prince fan. And Prince used to rock these polka dots on the Love Sexy Tour in 87. And I just thought it was cool. And I used to love the Madhouse album cover with the, the yeah, chick yeah, yeah. Um, with the polka dot uh, skirt on it. And I, I just wanted her to be my wife, man. I just, <laughs> like, Still around. I know. I, I, I Who wanted, was that on the cover? Um, I like uh, yeah, yeah. What's her name? Manica Lightner. Lightner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was always man seeing it. Like Carl's man. So, so I was like, you know, she can be my girlfriend, 
and I can just rock, you know, but I can hip hop these like polka dots out a little bit. But then I'm like an overthinker. So I'm like, you know, anytime I look at, I'm a heavy comic book guy. So like anytime somebody has like on polka dots, he's either the nerd or the clown or just the, the weird guy. So I think I'm going to, I like that. And like how you said you would share with, with Tariq, mm-hmm. I just had one polka dot shirt, I swear. And I used that like five different ways. It was the shirt on my back of the album cover. Wow. It was same a, shirt? Same shirt. It was white with same black dots. Shirt. And it's I was like, huge. I can find so many ways to match black and white. Yeah, my, my polka dot shirt was black with white dots. Yeah, it so was... I just had my, my white shirt, black dots. I had a black tie with white dots. So if I had the shirt and that tie, I could just go crazy with the black and white and not spend any money. And then in the video, it was my pajamas. Yeah. And and then on stage it was you know my my stage stuff, but it it never went really past the first album cover and then the video until I did my first show, and everybody in the audience had on polka dots and streaks in their hair, and so I was like okay somebody threw a joke on me blah 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 and, and everywhere I would go man where's your polka dots and also I would never shop at normal stores I was shop there was a store in the village called Reminiscence and Reminiscence only did repro fifties clothes so i bought all my polka dot ties from reminiscence all my polka dot shirts mm-hmm. everything i wore were reproduction 50s outfits and and in whatever thrift store i would find whatever i would get everything from thrift stores and not spend i was not chasing gucci i wasn't chasing louis vuitton or dapper dan and that just that was it i was like i'm not gonna do that i see i can buy an mpc 60 Instead of a fat chain, I can buy a SP twelve hundred instead of a a, a a two finger ring, and that's where it, it just all snowball from. How did you sign? Who signed you to your first deal to Atlantic? So so Herbie Lovebug went to Sylvia Rohn and um, said, "I got this kid act, blah blah blah," and he, you know, the deal was met based on the fact that he was going to produce me, but Herbie was just so busy. Most of the album was already done. I had like saved up my money and and um if anybody who's really deep into hip hop is a guy named Paul C. Paul um, C, yeah. Paul You're Paul C disciple? Somewhat. He taught you how to use your machine. T- Paul taught me how to use the SP twelve. Talk about him. And um well basically it was a music it was it was called the music building in Queens. And um Paul had a studio, Studio Twelve Twelve. And um I saved my money and I found out about it from a mutual friend. And I didn't understand what Paul was doing, you know, for hip hop at the time. I just knew it was a place I can record for cheap. <laughs> so I went there and I was like, um, I got this amount of money. How many hours can I get? Eight hours. Cool. When can I get it? Christmas. What? <laughs> Damn. Oh, wow. Eight hours, eight songs. Midnight to eight o'clock in the morning. Christmas day. You want to do it? Fucking yeah. Wow. So I went and I did say five of the eight songs on the Boy Genius wow. that on those eight hours because I figured that was all I'm going to get. So it was Christmas and everybody yeah. was there. Everybody. <laughs> and, but, that, but that's where the line came from. Wow. That's, that, that's how the line kind of um, formed itself because it was like, shit, I got to do this Christmas. So, so um, but it really didn't mean anything because my father was like a devout Muslim so I didn't uh, really celebrate Christmas anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did did most of that album there, but gave it to Herbie. This was the second demo I gave to Herbie. The first demo he was not rocking with. 
So I gave him the second demo, and the demo that demo had, if anybody's familiar with the album, it had the song, you had the rhythm on it, um, the mic is mine. Um, keep on doing keep what you're doing. doing keep on doing. I'm was so mad on that it. Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown uh, sample. Yeah, um, we thought we the first one was use it. There was another song called A New Beginning that never made the album. There was another song called Mind Power that didn't make the album. Um, and I want to say one more. I can't remember. I, uh, got so to, we get, got down. to get down. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Excuse me. Dumb question, Kwame. Mm-hmm. So how much of your albums, did, am I to assume that you produced everything yeah. that you rapped on? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, so Herbie, so, say, so Herbie what takes it in. Yeah, Herbie takes it in and, you know, said this is what I produced. And so she, Sylvia gives me the deal. And I didn't have a problem with Herbie producing a record for me because, you know, I, you know, I learned from him. So, you know, hey, why not? Well, seeing his name on there, let me, that gave me the green light. I don't know mm-hmm. if I've been so quick to, if you were just you on your name alone. Yeah. I mean, the video was dope enough to make me buy it. But definitely seeing nah, that, that was the, the cosign. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, I gotta buy this because back then you brought the birds of a yeah. feather thing. Yeah, so, so and it said produced by Herbie Lovebug and the Invincibles. So I was like, yo, man, I'm not gonna get no credit. He's like, no, you the Invincibles. <laughs> oh. So who was the Brothers Grimm? The Brothers Grimm was just uh, me and my boy A Sharp um, Al. We used to like like to come up with a lot of concepts. So A Sharp B Fart. B flat, B flat, C, C major. C major. So, so yeah. we would just sit around and come up with concepts. So, just it was just like you know, we're the brothers, Grim and Grim. We we have our own. We used to have our own little language, and Man, we like used three to, M's. Yeah, <laughs> we used to tell Grims. Grims were lies, basically. So, like, say for example, <laughs> I'll say, Yo, Fonte, um, Ninth Wonder said that you never wrote none of your raps, yeah, that's and a- you would be. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? I said, no, I, I don't know. I was I was I was in a studio and he was just talking about talking so greasy about you, man. I don't understand why why would he do that? And we would sit there and watch you just get heated. <laughs> Y'all are instigate. Y'all are yeah. instigate. Oh no, no, no. I'm talking about we've had like Salt wanting to go fight MC Light. Like, <laughs> oh, like wow. we would be terrible. So those were grims. Wow. So and when you get to your hottest point. We were like Grim, oh. <laughs> so so that's where the brothers Grim came from. Cause that's all to the point where people would be like, "Look, when they come around, don't say nothing, don't say no." You've been grimmed. yeah. So that that was how. So Sylvia got the um the first demo, and I just spent days and days and days waiting for Herbie to show up to give me a record. And I was like, "Man, I'm just gonna finish this shit up myself." And then you know. Records like, and this is how I met Slick Rick, for example, Sweet Thing. I did Sweet Thing. And then somebody from the studio, and the studio was out of a house. It was a regular house in racist Bayside, Queens. Like we would, (laughs) I'm talking about, it was to the point where it was like old school 70s dudes with mullets and muscle cars would get out of the town, nigga, and chase (laughs) us. And we'd have to run into this house. And the house was owned by um, a man, Dave Ng. So it was like a Chinese family. So we run into this Chinese house. And downstairs was like the most incredible history-making studio. All Salt and Pepper records, all Kid and Play records, all of my records, Dana Dane records. Everything was made out of this house. The Push It bathroom, like where they did the yeah. vocals in the yeah, it's all. You in did this... the vocals in the bathroom? No, no, we had a we had a vocal vocal booth. Oh, okay. But then there's you know between Herbie's bedroom, which was probably the Push It was right. probably done there. 
But um, between Herbie's bedroom and this studio in Bayside, called Bayside Sound, that's where everything was done. And I remember somebody calling me and saying, yo, um, I think you need to get here quick. <laughs> so I run into the studio and I hear a beat that sounds like Sweet Thing playing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, so I'm jacking my shit. And then I get into the room and then, you know, we had the two-inch tape. So I saw my two-inch tape next to theirs. So I'm like, oh, somebody's really jacking. So I'm beefing like, yo, who the fuck? So this dude is in there producing this beat off a of sweet thing. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck, man? You jacking my shit. And then Dana comes running out. No, no, that's Rick, man. That's my man, Rick. The Slick Rick. That's your, that's your oh. idol, man. You about, to, <laughs> you about to beat it. You about to go crazy. I'm like, well, I, 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 you know, it just because I was just seeing flames, man. Like, <laughs> my album didn't even come out yet. And his, his, somebody's trying to jack it. And Rick was like, nah. You know, he let me hear. It. I didn't know, so we're not gonna use this because Rick was producing a record for Dana, and you know, and that's you know my my introduction to Slick Rick. But um, wow, it was crazy. So so back to the you know, your question. So Sylvia signed me. I was waiting for uh, Herbie to finish producing. I was sixteen, so I had to get like I had to go to court and get a parental waiver to to sign the deal, um, and I just used to always be at the record label. Just like a kid hanging around. Like anybody understands Atlantic Records, like running into the office and Envelope chilling stalking. with not no, this is pre them, but right. running around and um running into Ahmet Erdogan's mm. private office where he had made serving him breakfast and lunch <laughs> and like Telling them how cool the record label is, and he's looking at me like I don't even know who you are. You're signed here, okay, whatever, man. <laughs> or you know, and just hanging out with Sylvia, hanging out with the different because back then A and R's there were no A and R's in our age range in any way, shape, or form. Everybody was like my parents' age, you know, like my A and R was like the old jazz A and R guy, and mountain they, climber who plays an electric guitar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, did you work with uh, Craig Coleman at all? No, he back was, when he was. No, Doing A&R there? Mm-mm, nope. Or what about, uh, who's our guy? Uh, Reef. Oh, uh, no, uh, Flan. Yeah. Jason Flan. Jason Flan. No, so, okay. so my A&R, well, Sylvia was my original A&R, and then um, there was a guy named Merlin Bob. Merlin Bob. Merlin Bob. Merlin Bob. He went to Electra. Yeah. Wait, yeah. he was at Atlantic first? Yeah. yeah. He was crazy. He was okay. under Sylvia. And then when Sylvia and Merlin were able to take over, when Sylvia was able to take over Electra, and they, she changed the name to East West. Mm-hmm. Um, Merlin went with her and I felt like mad abandoned. So then my um AR was a guy named Richard Nash. Richard Nash is yes. now the head of promotions at BMG, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But Richard Nash was the head of Atlantic and he took my um he took over and he used to always confuse me with K Solo, but that's fine. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. oh yeah. Both K's. Yeah, he would introduce me. This is our our artist, K Solo. Oh, oh man. That's a <laughs> um, like the opposite of you. And so you and exactly. And um <laughs> that's my shit. <laughs> And Anar said he was solo. I said, "What the fuck?" No, but see, the, what they were doing at that time, they were hiring house DJs uh, to be A and R. So Merlin Bob was a big house DJ. Um, my other A and R was a guy named Kevin Woodley. He was a big house DJ, and they were bringing them in. And then the first hip hop guy that came in was Clark Kent. So then they bring Clark Kent in. Um, but he wasn't. Clark. Um and um. And that's when it started to kind of start, the industry started turning over and you're starting to let people who actually know the music in into the business. Um, but it was real weird. They did not understand what to do with my records. They didn't really understand how to 
promote them. I was the first, you know, solo male act signed. It was me. I want to say DOC, but DOC was with Priority. So mm-hmm. it didn't really, I mean, Ruthless, so it didn't really count. Um, they were handling their own stuff. Um, MC Light was with First Priority, so she was handling her own stuff. But I was the one guy directly, directly on, on Atlantic. On Atlantic. And it was just like, you know, my my publicist was, you know, in her 60s at the time. Uh, it was just, you know, it was just figure it out, man. It was, it was real. When the record became a success, what what was it like to be 16 years old in, in high school with like a hit record? Well, it was weird because by the time the record came out, um, they put me immediately on a tour. So I went to like this... I don't know why I went to this thing, but I went to this alternative school in Bushwick, Brooklyn for like bad kids or <laughs> pregnant teens or kids that risk have to go to work to support a family. And But I was like full-blown Kwame at the time. So I had to go to this... At the, That neighborhood was crazy. The school, I don't know, the school wasn't bad, I don't think. I don't know. Because I wouldn't I didn't see anything. I had security guards and they locked me up in this closet hmm? to do my work. I couldn't interact with the kids. Wow. Oh, okay. Because you were crying? Yeah. Okay. So I had to be in, I'm like, this is whack. <laughs> and and it was, you know, Herbie's management company recommended it because Spinderella had to go there. Uh, so so she went there the year before. And, you know, I'm like, this is kind of whack. And I remember being in my regular high school and I would show up. This is pre me realizing who I need to be. You know, I, I I reverted a little bit. I got my advance money and then I reverted to the gold chains and and mm-hmm. everything. I would like wear my gold chain and then I would borrow Herbie's gold chain. <laughs> then I borrow Herbie's brother's gold chain and I reverted to these gold chains and I would walk around school and they thought I was a drug dealer. So they would have they would hire a detective to follow me around. And when I found that out, I went to the principal's office. And this is how foul this was. Went to the principal's office. I showed them the layout of my album cover. I um showed them the contract and said, Well, this is what I do. I I'm after school, I make I record I'm recording an album. So the principal looked at me and was like, well, if you're doing all this, why don't you just drop out? Wait, <laughs> what? The principal. Spoken like a true yeah. education. Right, an educator. <laughs> a true educator. He said, why don't you just drop out? I don't know, why would I do that? I'm saying, because I was asking for permission to go on this NWA tour. Mm. And I was like, I know that there's a work study yeah. program. <laughs> you know, his name? I'm I don't even face. remember. I don't remember half of my teachers. Okay. Um, and I was like, "There's a work study program. Why can't I just do that?" Now you're going to be a big star, right? What do you need? What do you need this for? You know. And this is not the first time a teacher has told me that. Pre that, when I was in the eighth grade, my math teacher was like, "Why would you go to art school?" All you do is sit around and try to rap. You're never going to become an artist. Oh. You know, <laughs> you might as well just go to your zone school. You know, oh. so it's so it shows you like those type of teachers that didn't look like me yeah. and didn't understand what I do or 
what my perspective was. I was not a bad student in any stretch of the imagination. I may have been bored half the time, so wouldn't show up to a class. Mm -hmm. But anybody that tell you I wasn't bad. What was your advance at that time? How much did they give you? A left. Oh, yeah. They, they <laughs> it. it was that much. <laughs> the first album cost $60,000 to make, and I got 11000 out of it. That was my advance, $11,000. I mean, compared to other 89 brothers we heard, that was, Sylvia was sort of nice. Yeah, because De La Soul's Dead was, I mean, De La, De La uh, three, 3 Feet three High was like $25,000. It was supposed to be a, um, but that wasn't a major label. Oh. It was Tommy. Oh, it was Tommy Boy. Yeah. Where you say that, because yeah. I remember that Funky Divas budget was $2.5 million. Wow. Yeah. That was a lecturer, right? Or nah, East, West. Was East, West, yeah. East West. East West. Yeah. East West. But so 60, and the reason it was supposed to be 120, but it was going to be an EP. Hmm. And I turned in the remainder of songs and like, she didn't just give it an album. It's like, you can make it an album, but we ain't giving you no more money. And I was like, I just thought the term having an EP, I thought that was just whack. I was like, nah, I want an album. Yeah. So it was just an eight cut album. It was supposed to be five cuts. And I turned in the last three songs. Um What were the last three, you remember? I don't I don't I think I think um The Man We All Know and Love, Sweet Thing. I don't even remember, to be honest with you. Because always it seemed like the dope shit always come at the end. I was wondering. It was like, never <laughs> a beginning and an end. It's just like I got three more songs to give y'all. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like uh, um recorded in a certain way like oh this is the this is the hot one this is the last song that I'm going to record I don't it wasn't done that way so you didn't even know like what your single was going to be like the rhythm did you know I had no idea I, you know we thought the man that we didn't hear they didn't hear a commercial single off of that album so the most were they looking for a push it or just yeah of course they were definitely looking for okay uh, so and I was very you know in the beginning I was very I was into being lyrical um, and telling stories and and more serious about um, and the man we all know and love was a parody record technically and I was if you look on the on the vinyl it doesn't say it was performed by, by me it was a character that I had called Hemi oh, and yeah. he is me yeah. yeah so so Hemi that was just like a parody of just bugging out that was like a bug out. You know, and that was like a throwback to Prince when Prince had his little Camille, old, Camille yeah, and all yeah, these. Yeah. So, so Hemi was like that, and they were like, "We want this to be the single." I'm like, "What? That's a Hemi record. That's not even supposed to be a record." You know, like, nah, it's very entertaining. And so, you know, you can visualize the um, and and my man Paris Barclay, um, who's Paris. like, he's who's in a, the, a he directed the video, video, right? Yeah, he directed the video. Ball, is he still alive? Yeah, Paris yeah. is alive. Wow, okay. he, you know, shout to Paris because you know Paris is dope now. Like he, he goes in like he's responsible for Sons of Anarchy. Anarchy. Yeah. What? And, um, wait, wait, yeah, he what? Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Oh, we gotta get Paris Barkley on our LA run. Since yeah. we talking about Roundaway Girl, I, just because I have never heard anybody talk about her in the last ten years. Anybody seen Big Les? All the time. She was at my house not even a year ago. She's in LA. Yep. Oh, she's, she's in LA. LA. She's from my you, neighborhood. Man. I can link that up. Yes. That's not, that's not oh, check, check, check it so, out. So, um, <laughs> so, so Paris, you know, me and Paris came up with the, the idea for the man we all know and love. And, you know, you mentioned Malcolm. Malcolm was studying under Paris to, to direct. direct. For real, yeah. And so Malcolm wanted to learn. So he came on the set 
And I was like, yo, you want to get in the video? I was like, yeah, but you got to let my homeboy Brian in. And so, so this is a random kid, like in the beginning, you know, in all the faces that you know, and then there's like a one guy that you don't know, and that's his homeboy. <laughs> so, you know, because Brian was trying to be an actor at the time. So, you know, it was just, but, and that was another thing that I don't think happens anymore. If you got wind that there was a video being filmed, mm -hmm. everybody. everybody showed up. Yeah. You might not be in the video. Like, for example, um, I remember what EPMD record this was, but I remember that we got when that they were filming in Central Park. We got to Central Park, and I remember seeing Malcolm there. I'm like, what you doing here? Hey, I'm just here. And, <laughs> and I was like, where's the video? Yo, it's underground. I'm like, what? Uh, we, that was, uh, so what you're saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we climbed down this sewer. Oh, yeah. And everybody's in this. I'm like, how did y'all get a permit in the sewer? to do I don't this? Think it was, was like <laughs> It was like a whole city under Central Park. Wow. You know, and and... I think everybody, if you found out that there was a video, everybody would show up. Just, to, you know, you may get in, you may not get in it, but it was like, you know, an on-set party at all times. Oh, so, yeah, no. so, so, so. Um, Wait, a question uh, about your performances, because in sort of Slick Rick mode, or what you were saying, your Prince Camille thing, yeah. because you did these character voices, uh, Sometimes using your natural voice, yep. sometimes very speeding to yeah, do yep, your higher yep. voice. How would that come off in concert? Because, I mean, sometimes you were like three, you were like your own Muppets almost. Yeah. You were like three characters <laughs> no, rapping would, at once. I would do it. I would just, you know, um, oh, Kwame, I love you. You know, just saying those voices <laughs> while I was rhyming. You know, it was just like, you know, it, I would just do it. Or... or with the aid of the audience, they would know some of those parts yeah, too. Yeah, so, okay. so um, it was never. Um, I never thought about it like that. But and what's your question, Bill? Oh, put you on the spot. Yeah, Bill. Well, this is this has to do with the second album too. Well, we're almost there anyway. All right. So on the second album, you introduced me to an album that I actually wouldn't hear for another f four years. Mm -hmm. And I want to know if you cleared the sample on Skinny Mother. Hell no. Yeah. Wait, what? How Prince, Prince you let clear me do it. Bob George? Yep. And, okay, uh, but what I want to know well, is even why further, did you... even further than that, he allowed me to use. I went Prince crazy on my third album, and nasty. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know who album. who who called me. Two people. Like, I got like super permission from two, like whoever was running Joe Bet Music. Somebody from Joe Bed called my house. Mm -hmm. My mother answered the phone. Somebody, Joe Bet. I'm like, wait, give me that. <laughs> They're like, you know what? We, you know, we really like what you're doing. Whatever Joe Bet records you ever want to use, you can. You have full. Wow. I'm like, all right. And controversy music. I don't know who it was. I don't know. And they called and was like, yo, man, it's not a problem. That was a weird moment in time, pal. <laughs> you know, and and you know my 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 experience. You know, I think, you know, I know you you've had better experiences with him than I have. I I've never had, I don't think I've had a good experience with him, but, but, he he allowed me to use music when he wasn't allowing anybody to use no anybody. Yeah. What does that well, mean? I'm sorry. What does that mean? I never had a good experience. Prince don't clear like, shit. Okay. I think yeah. okay. what it might have been because. I kind of viewed you as a prince like figure. Yeah. Because you did it all. And and I was cool with 
like me and Jerome Benton was super cool. Me and Morris were cool. You know, so I don't, I don't know. And I know that members like Tony M and other members of the crew would tell me that they listened, as a collective, listened to my music. Wow. So, so I guess that was in and around, I guess that helped out. But like I said, my personal interactions with him personally was never like, it was not a super dope experience. <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson, uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Talk about Tasha. <laughs> 
I'm curious. Like I, I have a, I have a thing where I just always keep tabs on like all like obscure R&B singers. Oh, so, so Ta- like, Tasha, this is a very interesting story, and I, I, I never let her live it down, man. This <laughs> day I get her every time. So, Tasha and my girl Angie, Angie would later on go on to write Empire State of Mind, the mm. the singing part. Mm. Heard about her. Um. Mm-hmm. But Angie and Tasha, Angie used to know my boy Al. Angie introduced me to Tasha. I used to think she looked like Sade. And then <laughs> she said she could sing, so I wanted to make like hip-hop Sade records. <laughs> and they were a group. I can't even remember the group that I named them. They were like my version of Salt and Pepper, but singing and rapping. And I made like the worst records for them. They were like <laughs> the worst. They had a single called "The Mike Is My Boyfriend." It was like it was Ooh. like just super whack records. I don't know what I was. It was very whack. But only, only you was made for two reasons. One, Vanessa Williams was looking for a hip hop dance type record, and I wanted to. Marry Vanessa Williams. <laughs> so I wrote Only You for Her. Wow. And I only girl, female singer. And no, no, no. And here goes the even bigger thing. Tashina Arnold, little sister Zanae went to school with me. And Zanae is an incredible singer. So Zanae, I brought Zanae from school. Sing, can you sing this song I wrote called Only You? So Zanae sings Only You. And... I want Zanae to be down, but they were very religious and their pops was not having the secular music, not at all. So the second singer I knew, only knew two, and the second one was Tasha. Where is so she from? Tasha's from Brooklyn, from East Flatbush, Brooklyn. So Tasha comes in, and if you really listen to Only You, you will hear two separate singers. So Tasha's mm-hmm. singing, Tasha's singing oh. the, the lead, and a lot of the ad-libs, but the first the hook, the first hook ad-libs is Zanae, and the harmonies are Zanae. And then right. Tasha comes in after that. So that w- and I didn't care because it was a demo for Vanessa, Vanessa Williams. Wait, so Vanessa Williams was supposed to sing? Oh, yes. <laughs> I can't. I won't even hear it that low. Yeah, because that was what, 91? No, 90. 90. 90. 90. But so I mean, what was her? What, the comfort zone. Let that me was take, like 91, right? That was 94 ish. Okay. Yeah. This would have been. Giving you the benefit? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the right yeah, stuff yeah. was 88. And Damn, she had hits. I'm trying to think of what song what replaced it. Nothing replaced it because I missed the album. Ah, okay. So Herbie pretty much put me onto it. Excuse me, and Herbie wanted, I think Herbie wanted me to do it, and then he was going to say he produced it. <laughs> and so it just didn't happen. But then at the same time, radio was doing this campaign against rap. And they would do this thing called a No Rap Workday. Philly, Power 99. Yep, 99 was the first station, but it was around the country. Or No Rap Crap. Wow. Yes, you Power know. 99. So, so from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., no rap was allowed. Wow. So my thing was, yo, put this record out. Don't say it's a rap record. Act like it's an R&B record from Atlantic. Um, You know, let the r because Atlantic was separating. It was Atlantic Street, and Atlantic Street would do all hip-hop. 
Atlantic proper would do, like in the In Vogue records and everything. So I'm like, no, let the Atlantic proper push this record to radio and let's see what happens. Wake up six in the morning, it goes only you. So it was just like, it was really a social, social experiment. But back to Tasha, I'm rambling. Um, so Tasha, Sylvia gave Tasha a deal. So I go in the studio, and while I'm recording my second, my third album, I'm recording Tasha's album at the same time. Um, we actually, and why you probably saw me in Philly a lot, uh, Stone Creek Studios, um, Boys Men Studios, Boys used to studio. be a studio called K Gem. Yeah. And I pretty much owned K Gem. I I had a house in Manyunk yeah. that I rented, <laughs> and I lived in K Gem, and you know, all the owners, you know, we were all good friends and I was doing the two albums at the same time. And the album got finished. I don't know if it was good or not. I'm, honestly, I can't <laughs> say if it was good because I, I wasn't like Mike my- Mike my boyfriend's song got scrapped. Though, no. Right? That one didn't make it. But my R&B chops wasn't where they, like they are now. So it was just, it wasn't- You did everything yourself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would bring- I would bring some, you know, like I'm, I can't play every instrument in the world, so I would bring people in, but, um, you know, I would play it, you know, electronically first, and then, you know, have somebody come, come in, in and, yeah. Right. So, so, um, mainly strings, mainly horns. I don't like, I don't like fake strings and horns for nothing, and I don't like fake guitars or bass. So, you know, those four elements are always, um, put in, and then after. Recording that album, Tasha and I were in a relationship. And during that recording, we stopped being in a relationship. And she became, she became, and you know, she got into a high school boyfriend, high school sweetheart, and later her husband. And so they're in their relationship, and he's full roster. So she becomes full roster, dead in the middle of this. What does that mean for Wait, Tasha? What? what does that tell me? Because I don't know. You know, she starts her, you know, her, she starts she coming in locked. She okay. starts coming in looking like Freddie from um a different, world. different world. Different hey, world. And 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 um for me, I understood that the nineties were coming in and that was the wave. Yeah. But for me, I was like, yo, if it ain't GQ, it ain't strictly GQ on some fly. Nah, man, you looking crazy out here. You looking? Oh, you, you know, one of them. Yeah, I remember I, 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 I was one of them. Okay. So, um, you know, you know, it's like no, nah, I don't. You know, people were, you know, replacing flat tops for locks, and it was like, nah, you gotta, keep, you gotta keep it sharp. You know, I was just on my little. Don't fight it. One year, dumb stuff. So, so she, and 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 you know, nothing against anybody who partakes in in the Mary Jane. But I'm not. I don't drink. I don't smoke. And I don't want that in my environment, my work environment. I want my work environment conducive to how I live so I can have the best creative oh. process. That's just me. So if you're. I thought Sleepy Eyes was no, no. <laughs> Mary Jane's song. <laughs> I was wrong about that. So, so um, when you're full blown Rasta, your, your, your outlook is different than that. So we started clashing creatively, but we still pushed on. But then from Rasta, 
they became like super saved Christian. I knew you was going to oh, say that. that. that I knew step. that was the next Jeho. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. So the super, like, I'm talking about. That's quite a swing. <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's that's Tasha. So <laughs> she knows it. I'm, just, I'm not saying anything bad about her. She understands. I tease her every, I talk to her all the time. So, so Tasha becomes, you know, the female Jerry Farwell or somebody. Whoa. She's like. <laughs> She's like a missionary. Like everything is God is great. Right God now. is good. Good. Cool. Even but still that, now, she's still no, no, no. Okay. She's back to. <laughs> okay, regular she's, she's regular Tasha. So, she's like a mix of everything though. Actually, she's half Rasta, half Tasha, half Evangelist. So, um, the album is done and is being mastered at this point. It's she, her solo album. Yes. Okay. She calls Sylvia. The Lord tells me I cannot uh, move. Any further, oh Lord, with this <laughs> literally music. But her signature says wow. something different, though. <laughs> I request, and my church requests, you let me out of my contract. So what that wow. got? The, oh, please tell me what Sylvia. What, Does what, that what, work? Sylvia's response. Yeah. Hmm. Whatever. Right. <laughs> 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 because you think about it like this: a lot of artists don't seem to understand. There are two, and I think Tasha probably fell into this category. And, you know, artists will never want to admit it or or, or fear. Fear, to, fear this. But there are certain artists that are signed just for a tax write-off. Mm-hmm. A label gets yeah. a high budget every quarter. So you got to, you have you to do dump. something with that money. Yeah. You got to dump that money, man. So if you give me 120 grand to do Tasha's album and it don't come out, that is a write-off. That is a good thing for you. Wow. And your 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 quarterly balance, because it was something you spent. It didn't work, cool, but it was an expense. Was loss, yeah. It was a loss, and now we don't have to pay this much tax. So, I think so. So you know, at that time, Sylvia had Keith Sweat, she had Gerald Avert, she had um, En Vogue, um, Buster was coming in, She's rolling. You in. know, it was like oh, Tasha, <laughs> pace. <laughs> you know, and and nothing against the music that I did or Tasha, but it was just you know, it wasn't, it it didn't it didn't make a dent in her. So, with then Tasha um, started working for ASCAP and became um, head of special awards at ASCAP, and um, she did that for a while. You know her. And her husband got married. They had a child. They they opened this dope um, candy store in Park Slope, Brooklyn, called Rapper's Delight. Wow. They opened a dope candy store. Really? You know, you know, and that that lasted for a few years. And then you know, she just she's living life. She you know she sings when she feels like singing. But you know, she just that's dope, man. She's a mom. Okay, I, I have a question that concerns my group. <laughs> How did you discover Kamal when he was a newborn? Say what? Is this true? <laughs> oh, Is this the man, word? Yo, newborn. You don't know that Kamal no, was a newborn? No. no. They kind of had a cover of, uh, I forget their name. They sound like a law firm. Baby, he, baby, fall in love. So, Falling in love. So, you so, remember that song that yes. came out? It's newborn. Newborn. I met Kamal. Oh, I'm was, sorry. Jimmy. Jimmy. Jim, well, he was yeah. Jimmy at the time. His mom and Dave, how old was Jimmy? Shut like up. 14? He was fourteen. Jimmy, um, so wow. was Jimmy always thugged out. Well, like I said, he was a he was fourteen. He was fourteen. I was nineteen. So eighteen. And, yeah, I was, I was like nineteen. And the owner of K Gem Studios, my man Kurt, Kurt Shaw. Kirk, yeah, Kurt brought the group to me, and there was a group 
out of North Philly. <laughs> it was a young kid at the time. He was seven years old, and he was a drumming prodigy. His name is Sammy, and Sa- Sammy was a he was a prodigy, and his father was a prodigy, Big Sammy, and so they wanted to form a hip hop Jackson Five thing. So it was Sammy on the drums and rhyming, and his sister on the keyboard. Then there was a cousin on the bass. No, there was a brother, Mike. Mike was on the bass, and then another cousin played another keyboard, and um, that was the group. But the music didn't wasn't wasn't dope. And they had a deal. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what deal. I think there was like TVT. I can't even remember what label this was. Um, they had a deal, but it just wasn't dope. So they brought me in to clean up. They brought me in to rewrite all the rhymes, teach them how to rhyme, redo all the ideas that they already had. Relativity. Relativity, yes. Um Teach him how to do, you know, redo the record. So I, you know, I was the cleanup man, but the father wasn't having it. What? He was like, I don't want to say Joe Jackson. Backstage dad. <laughs> Yo, it was it was different, man. It was like that falling in love record that I did did very well in certain regions. So we would perform at Six Flags. And I would be in the group. I would be like how I like how you would have like Rashad Smith on the drum machine mm-hmm. while the real band. I would be like on my MPC playing with the band and and probably a keyboard here and there just to keep that element going. And they were so afraid of their dad that they would perform to the side, to him. Oh. There would be 10,000 people in the audience, but they would perform to the dad. Oh. And the father would be giving thumbs up and thumbs down during the performance. And extremely abusive. Extremely abusive to the point where he had to get dealt with, like between me and the dad, you know. And and I think my bond with Kamal was based on that because we weren't, when Kamal, Kamal was on the guitar, so when... He was brought in. Player. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Y'all didn't know that. He was the guitar player slash barber. He played guitar <gasps> with us sometimes before yeah. Kirk. Like, no. wow. Oh my During God. Half-Life, Kamal would play guitar. Oh, plays, guitar plays guitar on things. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so right. Kamal and I bonded because we were, the, we were the outside guys. We weren't in their family. So it would be like, yo, man, did you see what the pops just did to the brother? <laughs> like, you know, and, 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 and I kind of like gripped him up like little brother. You know what I'm saying, and and no pun intended, um, and and um, that's how we we bonded from that group because we would go on the road, like, and and like Gilly the kids pops was down with the whole thing too. So young Gilly wow. would be around like wow. eight Baby year old Gilly, Gilly the kid, um, <laughs> you know. Thug. So so it would be like, and you know, rest rest in peace because older Sammy's dead. So I can tell the story. Um, we would be in K Gym, and I remember, you know, they would get in their advance, and the father had no teeth in his mouth. Father would come and be like, you know, man, you know, we write these records and we do these things, man. And you know, um, you know, I like the fact that you came in with your public, with your records and everything, but you know, I gotta say, I wrote them records, man. I'm like, well, first of all, you know, I'm not 
homie from down the block. You know, like I do have a name to myself. You know, so let's let's not forget this. Second of all, there's no way you're gonna get my publishing. Oh man, I'm getting that publishing, oh. and you ain't gonna leave this studio without it. Philly style. A word. So we get to rumbling in the studio. <sighs> what? Wow. So like you got hands crawling? Very much so. Yes. <laughs> I mean, not you know, but but so we're 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 in the studio. And and it doesn't turn out well, well for Sammy, but the funny thing is we have to go on tour the next day. So I wish I could find this video. We're sitting on a plane, Sammy. You got the busted lip. I got a busted lip. We all sitting there like, but the next thing we got to do is a, a meet and greet or something. A Six Flag show. And then I was like, why am I? And me and Kamal was like, why are you even here? Like, why are you even dealing with this? And I'm like, why are you dealing with this? And then I remember he called me up one day. He's like, yo, man, I'm being another group. Mm. What? He's like, yo, the roots, I'm gonna be in the roots. I'm like, yeah, right. And he, I remember he gave me the call the day, whatever, whatever y'all did the As soon as he graduated. Yeah. That that day. London. Because matter of fact, me and him went to see y'all at the Trocadero, <laughs> I believe opening for Trot. Yep. And I was like, yo, that is the dope group. It's like, yeah, man, they, they, they dope as shit, man. They dope as shit. <laughs> so for them to tell me, for him to call me and say, remember that group we seen? Yo, I'm in that group now. And I'm like, sure, that's what you want to do. You you know, is it anything like newborn? No, nah, it's like a real, everybody knows how to play the music. You know, not like just one person. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> man. So, so you, know, you know, that's how, you know, we, our bond is, you know, our bond is that old. Wow. So now you know why I hang out backstage and you see me. You're I like, see. What the hell's Quam doing? You right, just proud. So standing I'm going to I'm going to ask this question from a different angle. Okay. Have you and Biggie ever had a sit down or a talk before? Yes. Fa- Never. Yes. Oh. More than that. What? Uh, I mean, was Y'all it an go to Olive Branch or was huh? it was it an Olive Branch or no? Oh. Uh, oh, can you tell us? Damn, because you made it. Because you made a record on him. And no, then... no, I never, I never made a record. You did the video on though. Biggie, but the video had visuals that that record was done. A, right, it was like a year before Ready to Die even came out. That record was done. Mm-hmm. Um, going through a real whack period on a real whack independent label, Itch-a-bon. and Itch-a-bon. yeah, Itchabon. Wow, that was the that's that experience is a movie in itself. Really. Where were they based where out they of? Be- Atlanta. It's Kennesaw, Georgia. Oh. Kennesaw, Georgia. Uh, I smell that in Atlanta. on that logo. What is I was going to say Jackson, Mississippi. And it was, it was run by an old English, proper English man named John. Wait, what? And John would sip his tea every day at four o'clock and- I thought they were black. No. Yeah. And he would tell us what to, you know, we do not want samples on this record. Uh, we would like you to play all your live instruments and- And, you know, very proper- and you know you would go into John's office and you were like in somewhere in Surrey, somewhere in England. You know it wasn't like anything. You didn't even think you were in Georgia. What he had like toy trains and oh, weird shit. stuff. So, but so we do this Ichiban record. And this is the Incognito. Yes, record. Incognito album. Actually, my favorite, one of my favorite productions, honestly, um, because I was forced to learn not to sample. You know, I was forced to bring in. <laughs> A lot of live instrumentation and 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 singers and just reimagine things that I could have easily sampled. And it was like, nah, you now I'm gonna go in and actually be a, a producer that I that I 
become. So um so with Big, I never took it personally. Somebody sent me the tape, a tape of the song, like maybe six months before the record came out. I thought it was dope. I love the record. I love Unbelievable. And um I think people made it bigger than what it was because the wave changed so drastic that whatever Bad Boy said or whatever Death Row said was law. That was law, yeah, absolutely. So here you go, somebody like me, I you know, I have no beef with nobody. You know, I'm not that type of guy in any way, shape, or form, you know, for the most part. And and um everything that I represented was about, you know, just being laid back, cool, fun, having fun, blah, blah, blah. So then you have Biggie come out, say that, you know, my style and life is played out, like the polka dots, blah, blah, blah. It's cool. But then people take that literally. You know, it's like it was a literal thing. I would come some going somewhere and it's like, no, nah, I don't let Kwame in. He's played out. Like, you know, what? stupid shit like oh, that. Oh, no. So, oh, Incognito album comes out. And my only way to address it, because this is not like the land of, you know, you can make an album, you know, you have 48 hours to respond. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that doesn't happen in 1993, 94. So, it's like, oh, I got to go and make a record. You know what I'm saying? I got to make a whole full record and get it pressed up and hand it to DJ. You know, <laughs> like I don't have no time or money for that. You know, um, so the only way to respond some way is to put a Biggie lookalike in the What's It Like video, and it was just him in the background and people throwing stuff at him while he was on stage in the in the in the his shirt said "Sad Boy" or whatever. <laughs> and the thing was, Biggie was so hot at the time. Even the extras was not trying they to wasn't do it. Doing it, yeah. It was like, yo, man, we can't do that, man. You know, if, if we come in here, they they thought everything he said was like, really, he might shoot us, man. He might, what? you know, like they were so brainwashed, and some people still are. You know, like you know, it's like he's God to a lot of people. So, you know, the brainwash was serious. So there was this thing. If you actually, if you listen to Reasonable Doubt, there's a skit. And there's a lady named Maria Davis, and she does a thing called Mad Wednesdays. Yeah, this, so yeah. that's a real thing. So Mad Wednesdays. Oh, 22 22s. Okay, okay. Yeah. So on Mad Wednesday, I was supposed to perform. Was Biggie supposed to perform, Dave, or was he just there? Yeah. So everybody came out to see to see me perform, and Big was there. We didn't say anything. But Maria just like straight instigated it, man. No. She was like, You here? Biggie's here. <laughs> Why don't y'all just deal with it now? Oh my God. Who told me to shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that. <laughs> He's like, why don't you fucking deal with it now? Why don't y'all just deal with it now? You, just, you know, how y'all want to do it? Y'all can take it to the stage. Y'all can take it outside. How y'all want to do it? But y'all both here. We can't have y'all both here and have this issue. So... Pressure. Pressure. Jesus it's Christ. so funny because it's like she dying I'm in a full. I'm still me, and so I'm in a black. I remember exactly where I was when I was in a full black, like Armani suit with slip slip ons and a black <laughs> turtleneck, looking like oh shit, 
shaft. And <laughs> I remember Big in one of those nasty looking coochie sweaters. And he oh. came over and he's like five times bigger than me. I'm like only five, six. So he's like six, two, six, three. He comes over and he's rolling like the biggest blunt I've ever seen in my life. It was like the size of this microphone. It was <laughs> rolling this blunt. I was like, you got a fucking problem with me? I was like, no, you got a fucking problem with oh me. Oh my God. So we're in there talking and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with this big motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> this big motherfucker is going to kill me. And all his boys. All, and the funny thing is, I know so many people from so many places, which is a good thing. Like a lot of the people that's from his area, I knew. So it was like, it was just weird to know that I just had a problem with this guy for no real reason. Right. But a rhyme scheme. Yeah. A word. Just, like he said things like that about so many people on that album. Yeah. But I don't know how I caught the that bullet. So we're in there just popping shit to each other. And I remember. Little C's came in between us. Like, man, y'all acting crazy. Man, y'all, y'all supposed to be loving here, man. And all this, it's just all this commotion. I remember the dudes that I was with, I'm naming no names. <laughs> I'm not going to say you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, were you there? Were you there? Oh. That was a note from Dave. So, so, ready for that fight. <laughs> so back to, yo, I never knew that the two guys that I was with knew how to moonwalk so well. Oh, no. Or Irish accenting. Oh, my God. They was moonwalking. And I saw it's just me in a suit. (laughs) Little C's, (laughs) Biggie, and every person in Brooklyn, everybody in the 718 area code was right there. And I was like, this is some shit. (laughs) What am I going to do? So, so, so. So then it turned into, y'all not going to fuck this place up. Both of y'all get the fuck out. So they kick him out the front. They kick me out the back. And luckily, I knew the area very well. <laughs> <laughs> all angles, just Brooklyn dudes. And all and I was like, oh, man, am I going to? I can talk my way out of anything, but I don't Damn. think I can talk my way out. of. But I don't know if it would have came down to it. But yo, my ninja skills was on <laughs> ten billion. And Stacy Adams on. Yeah, yo, man, I, 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 I <laughs> there you go. And 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 that was. And then I think I saw. I and it was always weird moments like that that I would run into him. Like one time, I was in his neighborhood with a girl. And it was in the middle of the night. And we're walking down the street by Bam Music, yeah. um, um, by Bam in Brooklyn. And there was like this little alley between right when you get Flatbush and Fulton. There's like a small alley, and I decided to cut down the alley. In the alley is Biggie <laughs> and his boys. I'm like, what's up, nigga? Oh. But, but like I, I I knew I knew the car that he drove. I you know like I I I knew that his whole land yeah, his maroon land. Ah! So his head was turned and I was just like <laughs> Get my moonwalk like, man, I'm just not gonna deal with this man. I'm you not... know Spike Lee's walk is uh is Bo Better Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it was it was always something like that, or it would be like in a party. Like, this is the next time I was in a party, 
and I'm trying to cut through the party and I go through the shortcut, boom, run into him. And it's just me and him. And he's like, and he just, it was just so fucking funny. We just laughed. And then I just walked the other way and he was, you know, it was just those kind of, kind of experiences. And, and it's just so weird because I was super cool with Puff and, and, and we never really addressed it, but then we ended up working together at times. You know, yeah. I've, I've ended up working with everybody pretty much around the situation. So it was just like, I think it was just more of a trumped up. Well, I thank you because at the end of the What They Do video, he was after <laughs> he was us. Hot. He was like, yo, that nigga with the stick, I'm going to fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> yo, no, for real, he said that. He told, he told Dream Hampton that, yo, that old nigga with the stick. The old nigga. <laughs> old nigga. The old Let me specify. It was like 21. <laughs> that old nigga with the stick, I'm going for him first. <laughs> Bam. Wow. So y'all never talked, like y'all never like, I guess, just squashed it, it just kind of just faded away, whatever. Nah. They just moonwalked right out. Moonwalked out of just last. <laughs> yeah, dude. Sometimes you gotta moonwalk, man. I got my I got my my, my Billie Jean jacket on, my little bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we close, because I, I feel like the world really doesn't know. The and you didn't go yeah. anywhere. If anything, yeah. you elevated to the next level yes. with the production. Yeah. So was it just a do or die moment for you? Like I refuse to go out. Like I, I am. You know what? I think um, for me, music is just—it's not just what I do. You know, a lot of people are like you don't—you know—it's not who you are. It's what you do. No, for me, being creative, doing music in some shape or form, is pretty much my full makeup, and um. So are you perplexed when people, because I'm, I'm certain that yeah. people see you as Kwame like, yo, where the hell you been? Like, whatever. He fell off. And like, when you say like, no, I'm K1 Mill. No, no. You know what? Like, is see, it like, whew. it's not even that. Because like the K1 thing, that 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 probably lasted two records. And it was because somebody talked me into like, yo, your name is Mud, man. You got to, you got to See, I thought up. all this time that you were producing no, no, under no, no, K1 no. Mill mm -mm. as your alias. Okay. No. So it was like the Lloyd Banks on fire and I did a group of records. I did a, a Mary J. Blige record on her No More Drama album mm -hmm. and uh, two LL Cool J records. So uh, four records in all, in you total. tweet too, or was that? Yeah. Was that, yeah so, so after- after that, JoJo, it it came. Jojo, the white girl, JoJo. Yeah. What's yeah. JoJo? I, I love her. She's amazing. Yeah, JoJo's JoJo's actually dope. Yeah, yeah she is. Her, first, her week first, rendition. I, I yeah. heard that first album. I remember we put it on and we we're like, "What the? Yeah. Where this little white girl? She, get this? Yeah, no, she's K1 dope. Mill. <laughs> so, wow. so I, I think one of the 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 changing points to not use K1 K1 Mill is LL. When I got to the studio. You're like, Quan, why are you here? And I was like, because I'm doing the record. And like, I'm on the record with him and the whole thing. And he's like, wait, that's you? He's like, why are you, what the fuck is a K1 mill? Like, what the hell is that? And then, you know, it was like, you know what? This is LL telling you that? Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, why am Come I allowing, on, why am I allowing others? Others. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was done, it wasn't done in malice. You know, shouts to my man, Ron Lawrence, because he, Ron Lawrence, if Amen Rala? Yes. Okay. Amin Ra, Amin Ra, he, he's from my neighborhood as well. And he pretty much put me back in. You know what I'm saying? He through his through his 
connections and his production, he put me back in. But he was like, yo, man, don't use Kwame because people, they're associated with something old and go by K1 Mill. And um, K1 Mill was a joke, actually. It was me playing around on the microphone. I was acting like a robot. I am K1 Mill and I'm here too. Blah. It was that, that's literally <laughs> what I was doing, bugging out. And so, um, so that turned into when LL was saying that and didn't realize that I was there, I was like, look, man, I can't, I can't, I am who I am and, and I'm not going to allow things to cut that short. So either you're going to accept this music, if you don't accept the, the brand, I can't, I just I guess this is not for me. But the music should be able to speak for itself. And and I never wanted to be the producer that just did one type of genre or one right. type of artist. So I would, you know, I'm doing, say, Switch from Will Smith. And, you know, that record. Criminally underrated. Yeah, record. but it was a number one record, I, like 15 countries. You know what I'm saying? I love that song. You know, and, 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 and people, everybody told me, don't do that. It'll destroy your life. Why? I'm like, it changed my Wait, life. Wait, what? You know, but. So you have Switch on one side, but Lloyd Banks on the other side. And then you have Tweed over here. And then, then I do a Christina Aguilera record, then a Pussycat Dolls record, then a Mary J. Blige record. Then, you know, it'll, it'll be things for movies like Step Up and, you know, just little things falling in to, to its places. And um, Yeah, I remember you had music in that HBO movie Dancing in September. That was the first thing. That was the first thing that, I, you know, that was like actually like kind of like my coming trying to really really come back you what know was nominated I, for an emmy for it you know so it was a it was, it was the one it was like bamboozled nicole but, ari parker was in it and uh then your boy um that was on grades but got fired um isaiah 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 washington yeah, yeah. i think i've seen was that. that take place in baltimore or no she's just from baltimore okay nah there was like a tv and yeah <gasps> um, we forgot something we skipped over something major oh okay what Poison by Bell Biv DeVoe. Uh, excuse me? Wait, what? Excuse me? What are you saying? What are you saying? You wrote that, right? I wrote, I wrote, Ooh. I wrote, um, I wrote, technically wrote the rhymes and then it just turned into Ronnie DeVoe's rhyme. But it was. Wait, what? Yeah, it was the funny the thing was. the world doesn't know this? I never told anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Ring the alarm. Checking out the fellas, the highs and lows. I figured you would have known this. How do you know that? Because I know shit. So, so, <laughs> the second Sorry, time today baby. we had this me, discussion. <laughs> this is the weird story. I was in LA. I was staying in LA. Like that, that summer I lived in LA, one house party was being filmed, and I ended up not doing anything but messing around with chicks. So, this is one girl I was dealing with. And it was just, it was so weird, man. I was like staying at this girl's house, and she had a job. So, I would like, she would just leave me in her house with her little brother. And then her brother would be like, hey, man, you like New Edition? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. You want to meet him? Hmm? Sure. So he takes me to Ralph's house. What? what? So we go to what? Ralph's house. <laughs> and wait, wait, what? Yo, <laughs> man. How does this little kid know where Ralph's house is? No, he's not like, he's like seven, 16, oh, you know, okay, 15, okay. 16. Oh, okay, I'm thinking. Okay, so we go to Ralph's house. Wanna We're all in the valley somewhere. I have no idea where I'm at. I cannot, because I was staying at this, these apartment complexes called Oakwood. So Oakwood yeah. was in in proper LA, and I was somewhere out in the valley. I have no idea because I had to wait for her to come home and take me back. So so the so the brother takes me to Ralph's house. So I spend 
like half the morning, me and Ralph just chopping up, getting super cool, talking and everything. And he was like, hey, you want to meet the rest of the guys? So then we go to this other house in the hills and Ronnie, Ricky, and, um, um, no, Ronnie and Ricky were living together. Mike was there. Of course, he's living on his own. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's playing Sega all day. No, no, no. So then Mike was like, hey, man, you you want to hang out tonight? I'm like, sure, sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you hear some stuff because we, we all going to be a group. Well, who's the group? Right. Us three, we're going to be a group. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, man, I was like, get the... The two non-sinkers. <laughs> I think everybody. I was like, T-T-R. man, y'all bugging. What's the name of the group? BBD. Yeah, okay. Okay, the draws. So, <laughs> right, right, yeah, straight up. <laughs> exactly. So, so that it's night, mental. me, Mike, Dana Dane, and our homeboy, Doug, well, in this, he had a, a Jeep Cherokee, a brand new Jeep Cherokee. We thought it was the dopest car in the world. And we're driving to this club called the Palladium. And he puts on the demo, the beat of Poison. And I was like, y'all just jacked only you. Like, that's <laughs> almost like uh, wait only a you beat. And oh, sh- And so I'm like, all right. Like, yeah, man, you should write some rhymes for us. And he, and I heard like it was like a a, a loose singing. Girl, I must want you. And I'm like, all right, this is the worst thing I ever. Heard. <laughs> and I was kind of offended because the beat reminded me of only you. So yeah. I was just like, voice got deeper, didn't it? I was like, give me a napkin. What? So in a napkin, like poison, deadly, moving in slow, wow. looking for a mellow fellow so like, like the boat. Hey, hey, so you got to wow. wow. the hard money, I ain't the whole show. The low show. pro, the low pro, the like half pro. Here. You wrote it like that? How do I know? Wow. You start to do I was like, here, this will never come out. Damn. Wow. And I was like, play the beat, this is how you say it. You know, I said it to the beat and it was like, I mean, I think I got it, I think I got it. And, the next year, <laughs> there wow. it was. And you didn't ask for any publishing or nothing like that? Please tell me you did. It it worked, please, come it, on, man. Come on. It, come on. It worked out after the fact. <sighs> But on the album, it just says "Thanks, Kwame." Or something. Uh-uh. <laughs> but technically, I have a. Technically, can you can you you can live off of the, this this song alone? And my we mind, already learned could... in previous episodes that when there's more than one, unless you own one hundred percent publishing, yeah. okay, never yeah, mind. No. You so can't it's live four, off you ain't one off of it. Okay, so we learned that already on Quest Love Supreme. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Sneaker money from Allison. Sneaker money. Did you say sneaker? Allie Willis. Allie Willis taught that. Was, that. Uh, yeah, she was the worst example. She really did. She waited and waited. And yeah. yeah. Do you know Allie Willis? Mm-mm. She wrote September. Oh, she was the black whisper, the black uh, barbecue whisper. Automatic? Yeah. Oh, I love automatic. Friends, the friends Yo, thing. No, seriously. Color purple, the, the play. The lyrics <laughs> to automatic are incredible. Like, I love that song. Pointer Sisters automatic. Yes. Oh, just making sure you, Which one is, you can get a Prince automatic. The lyrics to Neutron Dance. Uh, yeah, Neutron Dance. I don't, yeah, maybe she, I was wrong. Bro. Oh, it, yeah, no. She I like wrote, Neutron Dance too. Okay, then good. Something about automatic. I love that. You know, but let me. No, I'm, that's I'm always shit. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So that's how that's how Poison. Came. I was I was in the video. Damn. I was at the video. I didn't get in the video. 
I can't believe you didn't know that. Matter of fact, the girl I was messing with was the poison girl. <laughs> no, so that was, the, from the, her legs, from Did, the down shot. Oh wow! So that's why oh, she I was there. I was like, was working though. I was like making sure, yo, yo y'all just, you know, y'all can sing about her butt, but. Wow! Don't hold with me. Sing about her butt, man. Are there any other? Ghost written weird, uh, weird stories that I don't know that like give me a napkin is <laughs> of that level. Nah, I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. Do we no. ask the random? So Vin Diesel was the cousin, but he didn't help you get out the. Vin fight Diesel's with your cousin? Yeah, he's my cousin. <laughs> but he's not. I just asked fight you. Nobody. Did you have any facts? But he was a bouncer at a club. I thought at one point in time in his life. So no, nah, I wouldn't. Have <laughs> no, I wouldn't have called him up to to fight nobody. Different Vin Diesel. No, but he was. But a he's in. He's in. A, he's in my nasty video. The nasty video. Oh shit! Dance. Wait, he's right. dancing. The, no, he's the boyfriend that I trying to beat me up that. in the nasty video. Hold on, because that means he has hair. You know, he likes to hide that from us, so so we can yeah, be ethically ambivalent. And the funny then, thing yeah. is, me, I was gonna, I was gonna put him. He before he wanted to. Well, he was always acting and stuff. He was just a creative guy in, into the arts. And he's he's my he's my older cousin. He's not like we're not the same age, so mm-hmm. they would have to watch me and t- type stuff. Um, he has a twin brother. Him and his twin brother I used to always hang out. Vin Diesel's a twin. Who knew that? But it's twin. He's a fraternal. Twin it's a fraternal twin. Okay. Um, oh, never mind. Forget Paul, it. Paul, his brother Paul. He's a he's a um a dope video. I mean, film editor. Mm. Like trailers and actual films. Like Paul. Vin Diesel. You look him up, Paul Vincent. Okay. Um and um. Their younger sister Samantha, that's they, she's my age. So we used to more. I need to see this hair texture. And... Hold on, I got to get one of these siblings. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen. While I'm looking to spend all this money. What I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire. But when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? 
if you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. There's a, a running theme on Questlove Supreme about Amir getting in trouble for records that our guests have done. Mm-hmm. But on this episode, we're going to do it a little different. This time, it's me that got in trouble. Okay. Mm-hmm. For a Kwame record. For a Kwame Well, what I did with a Kwame record. Okay. What happened? My parents got an answering machine shortly after <laughs> the second album came out. Uh-huh. Oh, no. And if you know how, you remember yeah, how the yeah. first album, yeah, or the I second album that. starts. Starts with Kwame leaving a, an outgoing message. Welcome to the Bone Age. Yes. Right. <laughs> One day when my parents were out of the house, <laughs> I replaced our outgoing voicemail message with Kwame. Oh, man. My Welcome parents to the were not pleased. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, that was fucking stupid. Should I do it? That was my shit. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, oh, we had, it was our, it was our first it. answering machine. My dad had, you know, some generic, boring, outgoing message. I was like, no, we can't be lame like that. Oh, wow. We got to put something cool on there. And you, that was your outgoing message? That was our outgoing message Whoa. for like half an hour. <laughs> yo. Well, so what, somebody called and like told your mom, like, yo, what is going on? Yeah, they were like, what is this on your outgoing message? <laughs> like, y'all need to change that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, you know, they Did you get a whooping? button. I, I got on punishment no. for a while. Oh, look at that. So Midwest, I got on public punishment. <laughs> no, punishment's yeah. real, man. That, that ain't whoopings. You know, it's funny. I don't, I can't go back and listen to the old records. Not that really? I don't like them. I just, just don't listen to them. I don't watch videos. I don't watch old records. And the only time that an old record will come on of mine that I'll, Listen to the rhythm. It's because it's on it's, Fresh it's Prince on, of Bel Air. It's on shuffle. My my, my Wait, iPhone what? is on shuffle. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it's on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, when, when they do only you. But I, you know what? I <laughs> oh, yeah. didn't see that episode till like ten years wow. after that. Wow, wow. I never. What saw did that. you do? Um, I think Jeffrey's dancing to it. Yeah, at, yeah, at yeah. The club or it's something. called Loving. Oh, the, okay. the episode's Love in the Elevator, and then they use it again on another episode. But but um. Now those checks were. I'm about to say, yeah, those checks. were good. Those, like those two, ass cap- two pairs of sneaker money. Yes, and I bought some milk and. and <laughs> those there was some lean years and those those uh Fresh Prince and I let Will know. I was like, let me tell you something, man. Will has definitely, Will, shows up in my life at very pivotal points. Really. So so. The first time I met Will, he's like the real life back event. Yeah, no, no, for real. The first, <laughs> the first time the I met Will, <laughs> that was good. Was in '89, and where? L.A. And um, I met him. He hosted a show. It was me, um, uh, MC Hammer. Um, I want to say Too Short and Tony Tony Tone. And he hosted this show, and it was a, and actually that day I met Ice Cube. He introduced, oh, wow. "Hey man, my name is Ice Cube." I'm like, no, what is Ice Cube? I was about to say everyone in the show <laughs> could wear those uh, love shirts, but then Ice Cube <laughs> came in with a black T-shirt, so ruined that fantasy. <laughs> so I was Will saw me in the crowd. I we used to go out into the crowd and try to get girls, and he just saw me in the crowd, not being as professional as I could be. So I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, like he was like, "Yo, that. let me pull." He pulled me to the side. Let me talk to you for a second. So you gotta understand what you're doing. You know, you gotta. You don't act like you're better than anybody else, but you have to understand that you have to put yourself on a level. And 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 even if you're not on that level yet, 
prepare yourself for a next level. And 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 prepare yourself to be on a next level. You know, like I'm like, what is motherfucker preaching to me? And but he, you know, he kept talking, and you know, and it, it it kind of changed my attitude at the time. And then he had like this house party, and he had a house in Gladwin. Probably, I think he said those, but he has this house in Gladwin, Pennsylvania. And we went to the party, and he was like, man, you know, I want to show you something. And I was like, all right. So he takes me to like the living room or whatever, and whatever the Grammys he had won at this point, it was I think it was like three at the time. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, I want you to understand why I'm showing you this. He said, because, I, you know, I don't know if you'll ever win one, if you ever won't. But a lot of times people don't set to achieve something because they can't visualize it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. So I think that you can at some point be able to achieve this. So I just wanted you to see what it's what this is. Nah. And 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 understand. He was like, you know, he showed me the crib. He's like, you know, like a lot of rappers, they just try to buy chains and and cars and um, and clothes or whatever. But you know, you, you know, should really point at real estate, you should really point looking at, you know, understanding what a mortgage is. He was just doing all this real talky, you know, like mm-hmm. preachy fatherly stuff. Because he learned the hard way. Yeah. And yeah. and and, and it things was so that we weird. should do to each other yeah. as well. We should pass down yeah. knowledge. And he was saying that. And and so that was another point. And then when I needed money the most, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air show did only you. And that helped. You know, and then um, to bring me to another level as a producer, he shows up again and he picks Switch. And, you know, and even recording Switch, just having real in-depth life conversations. Um, You know, and also he had a video, So Fresh, and it was him and Biz Markie. And I was like at a... You know, there was, like I said, there was a period of time there was nothing popping. You know, I just, I did not have any paper. And, you know, he reached out and said, yo, man, get in the video, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, allowed me to be in the video, you know, gave me some, you know, some cool exposure. So there was always little points of, points of light that, that will, will um, put down. So, you know, I definitely appreciate him for that. You should probably hang out with him more often, you know, <laughs> call, call him up yeah, you right. know, like on the regular. Yo, uh, actually, okay, before I wind up, this is probably my last chance to have this moment to ask this question. Oh, yeah, I already know. Dog, do you have any Latin Quarter stories? (laughs) Where the song (laughs) at? I was waiting for this. Oh. Once he affirms it, you can finally bust it. I don't because I was too young to get in there. (laughs) Turn in Uh, again into the Latin Quarter. So, so, so. I thought you had so Latin, so there was three clubs that that meant something: Latin Quarter, the Union Square, and Red Parrot. Um, Red Parrot, that was like the Melly Mel crowd, but you know you hear about the Red Parrot, you gotta go. So I was able to. Sometimes I would tag along with Salt and Pepper and Herbie and Dana and sneak in places. But the Latin Quarter and Union Square, that I don't know. I'm pretty sure you've heard a million stories, mm-hmm. but. When I tell you, it's Happy. like beyond the Thunderdome in there. Wow. <laughs> you know, Have we like, heard the Thunderdome yet? I don't think I've so. Been, I've been outside the Latin Quarter. I've been at the door and the door swings open and everybody runs out. <laughs> wow. But 
Wait, outside is probably the most dangerous yeah. part of the Latin We've Quarter. We've heard more stories about outside the Latin Quarter than probably inside it. <laughs> yeah. Outside was grimy. Inside was grimy. The 80s, man. Like, y'all don't understand New York City in the 80s. It's <laughs> the Latin Quarter. That's the least of your worries. Like, going to a club like that or going to the Union Square or even the tunnel, you know, early tunnel. It's the train ride home. Oh, you know, okay. it's... It's, that's the that's the that's the Russian roulette. Yeah, ride. it's the train ride home. It's trying to get in. It's trying to get out. It's it's, yo man. And and I don't understand. Everybody played that Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. They get their chain. They get their whatever. Yo, you would get sliced for a polo. Like if you had on a polo visor, you would get lumped. And you if were you, fresh all the time. So like, it was it risky for you to be? Well, my fresh was. Thrift store fresh. Yes. (laughs) So it wasn't like, we don't want that. But then at the same time, like I said. So you weren't ballied out? You weren't? There would be ballies, but then in this thrift store, everything else. (laughs) All the money would be at the ballot, on the the ballot. Okay. So yeah, so so it was never sneakers. You know, so, you know, like when Jordan 1s came, it was like the first $100 sneaker. Right. So it was like, I was not, I wasn't doing that. Um, But outside of that, it was... I'm telling you, man, like A-Sharp, I lent him, had a, a goose that resembled a polo goose. It was like polio by Ralph Cramden. It wasn't even. <laughs> <laughs> polio by Ralph Cramden. And, and, and I'm going to make to a shirt. Moon, he, he got sliced on the four train Whoa. from shoulder to hip. Ah! Like, and they, they sliced him. They sliced through the jacket. And... The the slice was so clean, he didn't know until he got home. And he's like, they were like, yo, your back is wet. Oh. They didn't and even take the coat? It it just, it, it, they sliced it and I don't know what the commotion was, uh, but it was my coat. And so I didn't, put it this way, he told me he got sliced, but he never told me he got sliced for my coat. coat. And I didn't find out for like years. I was like, ow, when are you going to give me my coat back? Oh man, my mom's put it somewhere. I can't find it. He, would, he was just so ashamed to tell me. That that's why he got sliced, and I felt terrible. I'm lending him my my goose. My mother's like, I bought you this coat, and you're not you know where it. I said, I don't know where Al Al had it. Stop lending your clothes to Al, and because we used to trade like you you know like you and Enrique, we would trade clothes and stuff. So that's like how it was going to these clubs. So you would literally, if you didn't know, if you didn't have a crew. It was like the Warriors, man. It's like that's the best way to describe it. Like you know, you and your six guys got together. What are we gonna do tonight? We're gonna go to Latin quarters. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> we'll listen to some songs. We may meet a girl. We may dance. But you do know that we are fighting our way together, out, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's gonna be. We have to be one for all on this train. So it would, and and then you know, like I said, my age. I'm fifteen. You know, fourteen, fifteen. When when Latin calls is really popping, so there's no way I was gonna get in. Um, I wasn't savvy enough for the fake ID. Remember, like mm-hmm. the fat boys, on the, right? <laughs> and crush group. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone's I, I, I couldn't do that. And Herbie was like, "Nah, man, I can't yeah, subject to you, you to this. Like, you're you're a little kid. You can't do it, man." So we would just sneak around. But you know, from 
Okay, that's a non-Latin quarter story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enough to warrant this. Yeah. Bills from the Hey! Hey! Anything to warrant that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so good. It's so so racist. So problematic. So racist. So problematic. It's the perfect conclusion. But it can be racist to any Latin community, so that's the great part. Kwame, man, wow, this is way beyond my expectations for this. Man. Thank you. you it was life lessons. It was a journey. It was, it was everything that I it ever was wanted. It a 10-year-old dream come true. No, yeah. straight up. Yo, man, I don't know. His, his Skazoo, you know, Skazoo, mm-hmm. you know, yes. he talks about how, like, you were his favorite rapper and stuff. Like, me and him, we talk about it. And, like, I just want to say just thank you, man. Like, you really, mm-hmm. you, you were, like, just the memories I have of my childhood of, like, buying your tape. Yeah. And, oh, like, man. You were my first... You were like the only music that my pops ever bought me. You remember when we first met? When was this? Schomburg Center, Harlem. No weed. It was uh This was was it that thing that like it was like, it was like a forum or some yeah, shit? Yeah, it was like yeah. a stop the violence you or know, some and shit. I, I really respect you all because y'all was Wait, so... there was violence in two thousand six? No, I wasn't violent. It was like a it was a like one of those forums show? where we yeah, get together was... to talk about like Images and media. Yeah, like I got better. super cool with Ninth from there. And, you know, I always thought that y'all was like super. You know, my thing is it's it's cool to meet people on a musical level, but I'm more on a personal level and like how people are as as people. You know, what we do is what we do. You know, and it's it's always a matter of opinion to whoever listens to it. But when you meet people on a personal level, I think that's dope. So I just wanted to. Drop that. Oh man, thank you, brother. Yeah, Much yeah. appreciated, man. And same to you. Like, just, just thank you for all the music. You were certainly an inspiration. For me. Thank you. Well, that's dope. And you Stay and Vivian are making man. some beautiful music together. Oh, every song is a hit. I'm, yeah, thank everyone. You, thank you. Thank yeah, you. You know, that's, you know, real quick, I know you want to wrap up, but, you know, luckily, um, you know, I always wanted to control my own music and, and control the fate of my music. Being a producer, you just get a, a check. And you don't know which, if you're number one on the album or number seven on the album, you don't know if it's going to be the single or not. And if it is the single, you don't know. You don't know the ins and outs. Mm. So um, I have a label, Make Noise, and it's distributed through Caroline Capital Records. Mm -hmm. And the first artist on that label is Vivian Green from Philly. Mm -hmm. And um, and the way that turned out, it's weird because it turned out me trying to suggest that she makes a certain type of record and she's not being with it at all. And I'm sending her tracks and song ideas and everything. And we record this one record called Get Right Back to My Baby on um, over a Frankie Beverly Get um, right sample. Back to love, baby. And um, I just threw it out there without her knowing. <laughs> and, you know, it became... It became a barbecue type hit record, you know, the piggyback off of the original record. And um and, and it spawned the whole label deal and everything. So so, you know, I enjoy I'm at a point in my career that I don't know where things are gonna go. I don't know if it's gonna None be a super do. hit record or whatever. <laughs> but I'm also at a point where my concern isn't there. As long as I have an outlet to put something out creative. I don't know what's going to happen. So like with the Vivian records, you know, each record that we put out for the charts that she's on, mm-hmm. the UAC charts, we're like number 10, five, two, three, Killing. you know, so, so we do well mm-hmm. in that space and it's cool. We do great. You know, I perform with the band, you know, it's, it's, it's great. You know, we do arenas, we do clubs, we do 
And she's doing more than ballads, so that's good. Too. Yeah, no, like, and, yeah, and that's another thing. It's like I like I like live energy. I like live musical energy. So so it just gives me an outlet to to do that amongst you know the other artists that I'll have coming later. But you know, okay. There's wow. another artist out of Philly named Michelle. Um, she's out of Bucks County. That that um more of a pop pop electro artist. So that gets me to explore that side of um production as well so that's that's the next situation coming she goes by michelle yeah just michelle she she didn't want to change that's going to be a search engine exactly (laughs) hey man it's the way you spell it it's m-i-s-h-e-l oh jesus you know hey man you know what psychological exactly (laughs) yes with the question mark that shit is deep what can you do man it's like you know i think a name a, a name definitely is very important and i think an artist before they come out has a million names mm-hmm. so if it's michelle now okay i'll go with that it one. could be poopily poop poop <laughs> by Please the end by that. the end it comes out you know and, and 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 i'm glad you guys are saying that i'm glad you guys are you're you're, you're saying what you're saying mm-hmm. because sometimes artists need to hear that because they're not listening you know there's another rapper there's another rapper that I work with now, um, phenomenal rapper, but the stuff isn't out yet. And, you know, he he his name his he he goes by the name of Bobby J. So it's like, oh, why are you using, why are you saying that? And there's nothing against him because you are a great lyricist, you're a great MC. But sometimes artists feel like they are married to a name for a certain reason, mm-hmm. and sometimes. It works. Sometimes we'll hear a name and be like, "What?" But it still works. Like when I heard Lady Gaga for the first time, I was like, "What is that?" You know, and it, but it worked. When I seen her, I was like, "What the fuck?" So, 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 you never know where it falls, but it's always good for that constructive criticism to hit you. You know, because I could have been Jazzy KGQ, mm. and y'all would not have been talking to me. Nah, like you that. Would be you be Quest for Love? What was it? Oh, my brother first name? Question. Yeah, brother question. That's right. Beat recycler of the rhythm? Well, first I was A Sample. Oh, no. Yeah. And then I was another name at Tariq, Divine Technician. Mm-hmm. Oh, my drum God. Section. Mm-hmm. And brother? Mm-hmm. Question, you know, you know. Yeah, but, but well, you know. This is the lesson we learned. <laughs> yeah, See? No. And that's why he left K1. Thank you, L.O. Yeah. Your name <laughs> is your name. Yeah, because, you know, like, I, you know, and it's, I don't Plus, K12 is out now. You don't want to be affiliated. Yeah, you know. And bad drug. Hey man, yeah. It's a bad Wait, drug. Wait, who's K12? K12 is the shit that's killing niggas in DC. Oh, that's the new drug? No, it's K2. New drug. Oh, you know, K2 weed. is the mountain. K- <laughs> is it the weed that, that they YouTube yeah, the fake each weed. other? And, yeah. And fake Yo, weed. if you ever see somebody in real life on that, run. Yo, They're going to eat your face. My whole neighborhood. This, we Don't did laugh a, that happened. We did a show in DC and these firemen were there. He was like, yo, I want to show you something, man. We had to stop this guy on K12. And he showed me the video. This dude was Butt naked in the middle of the street, doing this crazy dance and then starting to roll around. He thought monsters were eating him. That's some real. Mm, that's, that's some walking real, dead. That's yeah, how, that's it's how definitely. Yeah. It's like me once on. Weed. I accidentally had brownie. Two weed brownie. Yeah. I told you already. No, I just yeah. guess. Yeah, it was bad. So. Yeah, I have, a, I have a weed brownie experience too. It's not. <laughs> Y'all just I feel like your tolerance like is the Milwaukee. same. Everything happens in LA, man. I swear. So <laughs> I, I got this weed cookie, and I swear, like I thought, 
aliens were coming to get me. I thought feds were coming to yes, get me. Yes. I thought it was like they I was driving home and I was like super paranoid. And I was like, if they stop me, they can check my DNA. Drove high. Oh man. Yo, I wanted to go. Y'all are home still sober. I can't so take bad, it. man. I was like, I oh, I don't know what is the car actually dry? Yo, I was so fucked up, man. Like I'm, you're saying, I what feel Steve's you. face is saying. <laughs> yeah, I want a cookie or whatever I want. It, it, do, like it won't do it for day. you, Steve. It won't do it for you yeah. when it does for them because they're, you know, lightweights. What, what's wrong with that? P.S. Is there a thrift store you got that Benetton jacket all at? Because yeah, I'm kinda, I miss Benetton yo, you really hard. Like Barcelona. Benetton yeah. Barcelona. I'm uh, sorry, nice what? One. You got it in Barcelona? In Barcelona. You're in, come on, yeah. man. Mm. Stunning on you. What about the hat, Lightweight. Yeah. What about the hat, though? Where, where can we get one of them hats? Um, Actually... With, with the old logo. With the what old I'm logo. doing, it's going to be a 30th anniversary of Boy Genius coming up next ah. year. So all the like paraphernalia, like um, dad caps, fitted, pins, buttons, you know, like exclusive um, Letterman jackets, Ooh. all that. Even a BMX bike wow. we're doing, yeah. Yeah, and the desktop that was on the front cover. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I mean, that was a that progressive old, yeah, that old keyboard uh, yep. and everything. All um, right, Kwame. Well, you can uh, find. No, let me say my social media. I think that's yes, the generic yes. thing. So at at um, Kwame Vision on um, Instagram and Kwame did it on Twitter, and and I'll I'll post. I post a lot, so but I'll post you know information about the the paraphernalia and all that kind of stuff. Okay, we will definitely. Follow me back. Hit up, yeah. Like we'll make sure that the socials get all the information. Um, bro, like I said, it's been real. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's been real. Education. I'm still getting over the poison. Man. I know. Yeah, yeah right. I just where's that napkin? Get me a uh, napkin. Right. I know, right? And Instagram. Got, uh, get Kwame a blue check. Stop playing. Yes. <laughs> Tell you him, know what? Instagram like, said that I was not. Worthy of a blue check. They what the fuck? Let me let me vouch. Let me know who I'll, I I'll was. make some phone calls. <laughs> Thank I you. got you. I got you. All right. On Thank you for accompanying me on the school bus. Right. Yes. I was just saying thank you for accompanying me on the, all those school bus rides. There you go. Back Aww. in the day. Yep, on the Sony Walkman. Yes. Yes. Was having a moment. <laughs> yes, I'm having a moment. Right? It's only been Kwame and Prince. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Yeah. This. Kwame was that dude for me back in the day, man. Thank you. Ah, that's straight you. up. Yeah, still that kid. Like, yeah. Super, anyway, yeah, Sugar Steve and the Sugar Networks. Oh, <laughs> Why are you hating, like? I'm not. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Yeah, Sugar Network. I say that out loud. Uh, Fontigolo, uh, it's Laia. It's still Laia. Uh, Boss Bill, unpaid Bill, and Kwame. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks, Dave. We will uh, see you on the next go round of. Quest Love Supreme. My name is Quest Love, and this is Pandora. See you later. Peace. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.